Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. We're so thankful for the Holy Ghost. We pray, Lord, for those who are seeking after you, Lord, for deeper depths and higher heights. Lord, we pray that they too will find, oh God, that you're a well that is bottomless. You are everything. Thank you. Bless your people. You may be seated. Brother Long was talking about the, the apostles of the days before. But better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And we are in the culmination. We are in that time when everything, God's bringing everything together. And I just have a little brief thing here. We're just going to do a quick overview of Revelation. My purpose is that it will kind of get you to hunger and desire to get into this book. It is the only book that pronounces a blessing upon those who read it out loud. Actually, it does say that. Read it out loud. And those who study it and keep it, a blessing is pronounced upon you. If you read this book, you say, well, you know, it's got dragons in it and it's got you know, demons in it, and it's got, you know, all kinds of weird things happening, beasts and whatnot, the Holy Ghost will give you understanding. He'll show you what that's all about. You know, in those days, the Lord had to kind of put things in code because you had the Roman persecutions, and they couldn't just bring everything out. Even Jesus put a lot of things in parables didn't want to get in trouble with the authorities. Are we living in times like that right now? I'm sorry I got so excited about those people who were been in prison, but I heard one of the wives talking, you know, and it just, just burned my heart to think that they cannot even have anyone. Not even their lawyers have been in touch with them for these months. They're government-appointed lawyers. It's, uh, we're living in that time of injustice, and I'm looking forward to the reign of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who's going to set all of these things straight, and there's nobody's going to be able to lie. <laughs> Five reasons why he must return. First one, of course, is he said so. He said so. And it said in marriage language. Remember that in John 14? 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. This is a good introduction. I get troubled easily. My son can tell you that. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again. What a promise. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Do we know? He said, I'm the way. <laughs> we don't need any more than that. So the first reason why he must come, he promised to. And then we have the fact that the dead will be resurrected. If he doesn't come, there'll be no resurrection of the dead. So that's got to happen. Revelation 19, 11, you don't, have, you don't have to go there, but the enemy must be subdued. I want that to happen yesterday. The enemy must be subdued, finally, permanently. Now, we know that Jesus took the keys, death, hell, and the grave from the enemy. We know that he finished the work, but there's a lot of things that got to come together. There's going to be an enforcement of what he wanted, Calvary. Amen. The enemy will be subdued. Then his deity and his preeminence will be fully exhibited to the world at his return. All the world, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. All of those, even in the latter part of the tribulation, the ones who were cursing him and the ones who were, you know, putting their fists up in the air. There's going to be people that are going to be full of sores from all of this stuff going on that are going to be cussing God at the same time. The return of Jesus establishes the authority of Scripture. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. All right, we're going to Revelation chapter 1. We're not going to go the whole book of Revelation. Just going to touch a few bases here. The outline of the book of Revelation is given in the Bible. Revelation 1, 19. Let's look at that. Revelation 1, 19. John is told to write, Write the things which you have seen. <clears throat> Then it says, the things which are present and the things which shall be hereafter. So the things that you have seen, John, has been the glorified Christ. He had a vision of the glorified Christ. He saw him. Amazing. And the description, we're going to read the description in a minute. And the things that shall come hereafter. So we have past present, and future things God wants to be established in this. So that makes it easy, doesn't it? The things that we need to start out with, the glorified Christ, the glory of God. Once you get into that and you understand the glory of God and what all of that means, the rest is nothing. The rest is nothing. All of the pain and the sorrow and the, the vials and the trumpets and the you know, seals and all of those judgments. They're nothing once you see Jesus. The Bible says they endured as seeing him who is invisible. So once we get that in our mind, 
who he is in all of his glory and all of his splendor, we can endure the rest. I mean, not get all weird, you know, not get all caught up in, in the pain and suffering. Because I worry about my loved ones. I've got family members that are definitely are not ready. They're not ready to meet the king. But there is still hope. And I'm hanging on to that hope. So let's go to the first chapter there and look at this. Verse 3, blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. What are the three verbs that are there? Read, hear, and keep. Readeth, heareth, keepeth. What will happen if you do that? You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Why? For the time is at hand. The time is at hand. All right. <clears throat> We're going to look at the glory of Jesus. Let's start uh, verse 11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So that's what's coming next. All right, uh, let me see that part that I wanted to get here. All right, chapter 1, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Seven is the number you're going to hear a lot in the book of Revelation. And what does it mean simply? Anybody? Completion. Completion of things. The wholeness of things. Completion and wholeness of things. Seven candlesticks. Gold is the number of, I mean, is the metal of deity. Silver is the number of redemption. And brass is the number of judgment. So keep those three metals in your mind as well. So these are golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle around his chest. His head and his hairs were white like wool. White is the color of what? Purity? And also age. He is the timeless one. He is the ancient of days. He is all of that and so much more. He is the one that is before all things, and by him all things are held together. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Aleph and the Tav. And then it says... His eyes were as a flame of fire. Hmm. Picture that. His eyes were as a flame of fire. He can see that fire. You ever heard of somebody say this, their eyes are just like fire and they can see right through you? It's just a symbol. It's a symbol of things. But yes, his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet were like brass. Judgment, 
The Bible said he's going to tread the winepress of his anger. He's coming for judgment. The next time, it's not Jesus meek and mild. They will still see a lamb who had been slain, but they're also going to see the wrath of that very same lamb. Not so much the wrath of the lion, but the wrath of a lamb, the most defenseless creature. And yet, that lamb took everything away from the enemy. That lamb that was slain. Checkmate. It was done with the lamb. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. We know that two-edged sword is the word of God. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Can you imagine John just looking and seeing this, envisioning this? And when I saw him, I felt like I was dead. I fell at his feet as if I were dead. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. We don't have to be afraid of that. We belong to him. We don't have to be afraid of all that. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. So be it. And have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. That is the basic outline of the book of Revelation. And it goes on. There's a lot of details in it, but it's just kind of the skeleton here. You notice I just, on this little, little graphy thing I made, uh, I should have had sister. She's, she's the artiste, in-house artiste. And uh, just so you can get an idea here, the things before the rapture, and then we had the seven churches. Pastors preached on the seven churches. Other people preached on the seven churches. What is the big word in the, in the book? Of, I mean, in the seven churches? Repent and overcome. Repent and overcome. Two churches that are not involved in that are the suffering church, Smyrna, and the church of love, which was Philadelphia. Those are the only two where he had no bad words to say about them. But the others... Repent and overcome. <laughs> Simple, isn't it? Repent and overcome. God's got a word for his people. None of us have arrived yet. We're still in the process. I find that out every day, every day, every day. Amen. So, glorified Christ. Then the seven letters to the seven churches. Now, some people say that uh, it is a history of the church age, the 2,000-year church age. I see the, the validity to that. And I can also see it applied to the churches that were existing at that time. It can be all of it. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But you read those about those churches, and you'll see yourself in there. Church of Ephesus. What did I do? 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Funny thing that happened, my, my, one of my clients, she's got that, uh, that Bible, the audio Bible, you know, that they have. They've been, and she's got it down on the thing, and she's got her big Bible on top of it, the one that I got for her. And she's got that right on top of it. So I'm cleaning, you know. I just reached over and just pressed down, and I heard the voice of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, it just came. What? Yeah. The Lord's so good to us. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Again with the Church of Ephesus. You've left your first love. I know you have not done that. But I have found myself caught up in doing things for God where I didn't pay attention to my relationship with him. Relationship comes first. Relationship comes first. Not getting so busy and evangelism and doing all of these things, you know, and working for God. No, you're not. You're either working with him or you're not working. You're not going to get any credit for it. We are laborers together with with him. Not that you're doing something for God. Huh. No, it doesn't work that way. And the other churches, too, we learn a lot of things about ourselves that we can apply. And to us, he says, repent and overcome. Repent and overcome. He loves us that much. He does. He loves us that much. All right, um, then we come to the rapture. Everybody knows the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. Let's all say it together and get excited. Huh? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? To meet the Lord in the air. That's what the rapture is all about. Somebody said, well, there's no such word in the Bible, rapture. It's not because you're not looking at the right language. If you look at the Latin Bible, it says rapturo, rapture. Rapturo, rapture. In the Greek, harpazo, snatching, taking by force. A lot of wonderful thoughts in there. He's going to snatch us away, just like marriage. Remember that? We went through some of that, how exciting that was. At midnight, the cry was given, bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. How exciting that was. But he was coming in the middle of the night. They usually came in the middle of the night, in come broad daylight. And everybody just had to be ready. When it started getting close to that, you know, year Everybody was getting ready. All the invited guests, they were ready. They had everything put together. The, the bride, she wore her wedding dress on. <laughs> she kept it on. And the bridesmaids, they had, and they had, they're supposed to have all their oil. Some of them didn't. But they're supposed to have enough oil to last for the whole feast. Well, it was exciting. 
It was exciting. He came like a thief. Came like a thief. He came suddenly to take her away. And that's beautiful thought. It's all marriage language, um, wedding language, I should say. All right. We have, uh, during this seven-year period after the rapture, I'm not going to go through all these, but this for your own learning. You can look at these scriptures I put there concerning the rapture. Chapters 4 through 20, chapters 1 through 3 are the things that happened before the rapture, and chapters 4 through 20 are the things that shall be hereafter. And then chapters 21, 22, that is, hallelujah, forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's going to be the time when the enemy has been done away with. New heaven, new earth, everything, brand new, glory. Hallelujah, we'll be with him forever. But there's a few things that are going to take place. We've got over a thousand years to go yet. So hang on. Hang on. All right. Um, we've got during that seven-year period between the rapture and the return, the return of Christ is different from the rapture. That's the time when every eye shall see him. When he returns to Mount of Olives, and that humongous earthquake is going to happen and all those things that are going to uh, occur at that time, it's going to be quite amazing. Seven years... That's seven years. During that seven years, there's going to be seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vile or bold judgments. How many does that make? How many judgments does that make? 21 judgments. And they keep getting worse each time. That's a lot in those seven years. And it's divided into three and a half years, three and a half years, and I am no expert in all of this, but I love getting into this book of Revelation. Lord, just gives me a little glimpse here and a little glimpse there. You know, and I get so excited over that glimpse, I could sit on it for a year. <laughs> it's so exciting to me. Just the beauty of, of his glorification, what John saw, it just amazes me. You know? And then seeing how... Well, what else is going to happen here between the rapture and the return? There are going to be two witnesses. I know you know who they are, but I don't know who they are. I'm not sure. <laughs> Everybody thinks they know. So I've heard different sides. It doesn't really matter. They're God's witnesses. They're God's witnesses. It's going to be amazing. Let's go to Revelation 11. Just read a little bit. Okay. Okay, I'm going to verse 3. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's three and a half years. Okay? These are the two olive trees. That's another name for them. They're still the two witnesses. And the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. They're Two candlesticks, two olive trees, two witnesses. And if any man <coughs> will hurt them, look at this. 
fire shall proceed out of their mouth and devour their enemies. Isn't that cool? Don't mess with the two witnesses. Don't go around this and start doing like they do now to ministers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Reminds me of the time of Elijah, you know. The, the, the king sent out some people to come and attack Elijah and bring him into town. Fire. 50 of them just got barbecued. And second time, another 50 got barbecued. So don't mess. Don't mess with them. Okay, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. He must be killed that way. These have power to shut heaven. That sounds like Elijah too, doesn't it? That it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood. There's another thing from the Bible. Remember that during Egypt time? And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Those two witnesses are going to be busy for the three and a half years. Man, people are going to be hating them and wanting to do stuff to them. Ain't nobody going to shoot their mouth off. That's cool. I wish I could see that. I'm telling you. That makes me feel good already after watching the news. Oh, Lordy. Uh-huh. And they're going to smite the earth with a lot of plagues. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, we know who that dude is, shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Hey, I'm the one who did it. Yeah, he didn't burn me. Okay, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. The best is yet to come. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. I imagine some of those people, everybody in the world is going to see this. And we know that up until now, it was not possible, technology-wise, for people to see at once all things happening. And this is going to happen. Here they are, three days. I can imagine some people are spitting on them, some people are kicking them, and, you know, just doing all sorts of things, laughing and carrying on and so forth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. Uh-huh. Okay. And great fear fell on them which saw them, oh yeah, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying, come up hither, another rapture, come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. That same hour, there was a great earthquake, tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men, 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted. An exciting times ahead, aren't it? Amazing, amazing. Well, that's just the two witnesses. <clears throat> then we have angels. They're going to be very active during this time. 
during that seven-year period, they are going to be extremely active. In chapter 14 of Revelation, I just looked at some of this. Verse 6. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth. These are the tribulation people. We're already gone. We're already caught up to meet him in the air. But these are the ones who are left. Jews and some of your family, some of my family, some of those who have heard us talk about the rapture, who have heard us mention end time events. Hopefully some of it will come to mind. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. That would be pretty exciting to see that angel flying around declaring the gospel. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there was another angel in verse 8. And he says, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Everything that all of the financiers of the world put their hope and trust in. I'm not going to go into who you think Babylon is. People have all kinds of ideas what it could be. I don't know. I do care. And the third angel (coughs) followed them, saying with a loud voice, any man worship the beast, this one, there's going to be an angel flying in the sky saying, do not take the mark of the beast. He'll be flying up in the air. Don't take the mark of the beast. If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they will have no rest day or night. That's one of the more horrible things about the fact that you're going to be out of the presence of God. But this one here, no rest. There's no rest in hell. You can't lay down. You can't close your eyes. It's constant, constant, no rest, day or night. That's amazing. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud once sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So the angel came, he's putting in the sickle to reap, to reap that harvest, to reap that harvest. So the angels are going to be very busy during that time, too. And then we have, this is not in order, but the 144,000. And I know there may be somebody here that belongs to the witnesses, you know, but you know, you're not one of them. I have to break it to you gently. You're not one of them. We call them JWs, but, you know. (laughs) You're not one of them. Because the Bible makes it very clear. 
12,000 from every tribe of Israel. They're Jews. They're pure Jews. They're holy Jews. And they're going to preach this gospel during the time of the tribulation. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be truly exciting. Let's see. Uh, chapter 7. Let's see. Chapter 7, verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed, and 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So we know who they are, right? It's not somebody else. And then verse 9, and after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there's going to be some stuff going on. I would not advise waiting and missing the rapture. Because there's going to be horrible things happening. Don't try to depend on it, somebody. There's some people who've actually said that. I'm going to wait, you know, if the rapture takes place, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give my heart to God. Mm-hmm. Well, today is the day of salvation. And all of those, we're not going to go into all of those trumpets and vials and all of those horrible things. But we know, we're going to read chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Get ready to close here. Chapter 20. And I saw thrones, and they sat, sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, Neither his image. This is definitely speaking of those during the tribulation because they didn't have Mark of the Beast before that time. Which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Those that survived the, the uh, tribulation. They will live and reign. But the rest of the dead live not again. That's the second resurrection. Those who will be facing the great white throne judgment. Uh, let me read one more scripture. Just bear with me. Just bear with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then cometh the end, 
And he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all the rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, and when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted as Jesus, which did put all things under him. Amazing. May the Lord give you a desire to check out this book and read it out loud so that you can be blessed. I mean, read it out loud. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You've been so kind. We appreciate you. Appreciate all of the saints of God. Esteem you highly in the Lord for your work's sake. We've got great hopes here. Amazing hopes here. Amen. Yeah.